Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. That may be how it ends. We don't know. Uh, actually, we do know uh, a lot of ways that it ends. We started a, a sermon series last week simply called that How It Ends, talking about the end of the world, Jesus coming back. And if you weren't here last uh, Sunday, I don't say this a lot, but I just think it's going to really help you. So uh, if you weren't here last Sunday, uh, check out that podcast or uh, go watch on online. Today we're going to talk a little about our perception of what happens when it's all over. There's new heavens and there's new earth and can you can heaven come to earth? How does that play out? Do we understand what that looks like? Has anybody ever done something that you thought like this did not turn out like I expected? Anybody ever like yeah, that happens to me quite a bit. Um Several years ago I I, I told you guys about a vacation I went on to, to Branson. Uh, I think it was 3 years ago. And uh, how many of y'all been to Great Wolf Lodge? Anybody been, or at least you know what Great Wolf Lodge is? I couldn't afford that, so I went somewhere else. Uh, but it was like Great like the, the pictures online look just like Great Wolf Lodge. And so I was trying to be frugal and, and go to like this cool place and take my kids and this cool indoor water park type of stuff. I thought it was going to be like this awesome adventure for the kids. And the hotel rooms had like these cool like bunk beds that were like like all like treehouse fort type of bunk beds. We're like, but this is going to be the greatest uh, vacation for my kids. And Christy and I have gone like beach vacation. We thought, man, kids are going to like this more than anything, right? And so, so we're driving uh, to Brands. We stopped at Lambert's. Well, you know what Brand Lambert's? Yeah, they throw rolls at you. It's awesome. And so it's getting off to a great start because my kids go to a restaurant where they throw the waiters throw food, right? So it's awesome. And so we, we I'm following my GPS. I get to this hotel that I, I think is a hotel, but it looks way different than the picture. And so I'm like, mm, okay, well. So I went in. And I said, I'm looking for. I can't remember the name of it. Whatever. And they said, Yeah, this is it. I was like, Okay, it's cool. So I guess I'm checking in then. And, uh, and so, so I checked in, I paid, and then they gave me a key. And like my first clue that it was going to turn out different than I anticipated was it wasn't like a, a card. It was a, a key, like an actual physical like, like metal key, you know. And so I'm like, oh, okay, I haven't had one of these in like 20 years. So great, cool. And so they told us where the room was, and they said, you have to get up, drive like three buildings back. And, and I was like, okay, this, everything seems weird right now. And so, so we got out of the car, and I drove. And, and this, at this point, like, Christy's kind of looking at me, like, what did you get us in to type of look? You know, so she's looking at me. The kids are still pretty excited because they don't know what's going on. It's dark. And so, and so we, we, we get to the, the, the building that our our, our room was in, and, and I realized oh, this, is not a, this is not a hotel, this is a motel. Uh, nothing against motels. Some of you love motels, that's fine. I'm not against them. It's just different than what I anticipated. Uh, all the doors were painted pink, and we had to go to the second floor. There was no elevators, and so we get our, 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 ba- our bags and suitcases. So I'm going up, to, I'm going up trying to carry everybody's stuff. You know, the kids are too little to carry their own stuff, so I'm carrying stuff. And so I get there, I, I get to the top of the staircase, and I look, and what seemingly is right in front of my door is older dude, uh, cut off jean shorts, cowboy boots, no shirt, smoking a cigarette, and just looks at me. Awesome. We get into the room. It smelled terrible. It was, it was a fraction of the size of, like, whatever camera lens they used on that picture, I want it for my own life. Just to make everything look better. Uh, it, it, was, it was a nightmare. We, they did have a water park, so the next morning we get up, and we're going to go to the water park. It's three million kids. 
locked into a room that's smaller than this one. Uh, there's a water park and like there's a, a lazy river. And, and it's shoulder to shoulder, kids in this lazy river. And so my ki- kids are like, Dad, you want to get in the lazy river with me? You ever have those moments where you're kind of like, I, I just want to be a good parent, but there's nothing in me that wants to have any, like I don't even want to dip my toe in that river, the toxicity in that right now. So I know every kid in there is peeing right now, you know. And so I'm like, yeah, I would love to, kids. So you get in this little lazy river, and like I'm, the only thing I'm thinking is, and I tell my kids, do not open your mouth. Don't open your mouth. You don't make sure that nothing gets inside of you from this thing. Nothing about this trip was even close to what I anticipated. And when we think about uh, new heavens and new earth, there's uh, maybe a thousand people in this room. There would be a thousand different ideas of what a new heaven and a new earth may look like, but. I have a feeling that it's nothing like we anticipate. Not in the way that I anticipated the Great Wolf Lodge-ish motel, but in the exact opposite. Everything that that we think about what's going to happen when it all ends is far greater than we could ever, ever dream or imagine. When you when you Google heaven, here's it's funny the images that you get when you Google heaven. Why is it so cloudy always? It's funny as you think, oh, heaven's in the clouds. I, I, don't, I don't think heaven's actually in the clouds at all. Uh, like in the scripture, it talks about like streets of gold and, and, and gates, but in, like here it's just cloudy and clouds and sky. It's crazy. Again, if I ask you, what's heaven going to be like? Hundreds of different of ideas of what it's going to look like. So let's see what scripture says. Revelation chapter 21 verse 1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, preparing as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. In other words, when it all ends, it's actually just the beginning. And when we reach the new heaven and the new earth, there will be no more sickness. There's no pain. There's no, there's no sorrow, no sadness, no death, no disease. There's no frustration. There's no argument. There is no anger. Everything is perfect. But is it possible to bring heaven to earth now? So today we're going to talk about how, yes, it is possible. Next week we're going to talk about how, no, it's not always possible. But today, how do we, how do we bring heaven to earth? Can we experience heaven on earth? Scripture is clear that we don't have to wait. When Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, he says pray like this. So again, this is Jesus, and he's telling his disciples. If Jesus is telling his disciples to pray like this, it's just maybe good practice for all of us to pray like this. This is just the first part of it. He said, then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is telling his disciples, pray that the kingdom of heaven and his will will be done on earth. And he's telling them to do it right now. Since the beginning of creation, God has created spaces for heaven and earth to overlap. 
So we have this little image right here that should help us just a little bit. Should have an image that's going to come up. Okay, so, so everything on the right is heaven. Everything on my right, everything on my, my left represents earth. So we know heaven is perfect. It's beautiful. No sickness, no pain, no frustration. Like every, everything is just absolutely perfect. And then we know on, on earth, on the other side, it's the exact opposite. Not that there's not great things, but everything is imperfect. There's sickness, there's sadness, there's frustration, there's death, and there's, and there's pain. So is it possible that essentially these two circles could overlap, that, that, that heaven and earth could possibly coexist? So, so if you remember if in the Garden of Eden, pre-sin, these overlapped. There was a, a coexistence. God created earth so he could have communion. He created the Garden of Eden so he could have communion, relationship with Adam and Eve. And then Adam and Eve sinned and created a separation. And so, so heaven and earth could not overlap where there was sin. So now if we go to the Old Testament, there's another graph we're going to look at in the, it's going to, okay, so on, again, my right, uh, this represents what happened in the Old Testament. Again, the there's heaven, and then there's earth, and then there's the centerpiece, the overlap. Now, that overlap in the Old Testament is the temple. First Kings chapter 8, verse 11, it says, For the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Okay, And so here, in the temple, you could experience the presence of God. Essentially, that's the only place on earth that you could experience heaven. But again, people sin, and so you could not go into the temple if you had sin in your life. So in order to get in the temple, you had to have an animal sacrifice, a blood sacrifice, an atonement for your sin to be in the presence of God. So they would sacrifice the animal, then they'd be able to enter into the presence of God, heaven on earth. But God's long-term plan was never to have people go to a specific place to be with him. His long-term plan was for his presence to be available to the world. And that's where Jesus comes in. We made it very clear. You know exactly where Jesus comes in the picture. It's the cross. In, in John chapter 2, Jesus says this. The Jew, 2, 18. The Jews then responded to him saying, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They're super confused. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Okay, so we go Old Testament. You have to go have a blood sacrifice. You have to go into the, the temple to experience the presence of God. That's where the overlap would happen. Now we see in the New Testament, Jesus comes. Jesus says, I am the temple. So everywhere that Jesus goes into the world are pockets of the presence of God. Essentially pockets of bringing heaven to earth. Again, the only way you can get to heaven is through Jesus. So Jesus goes around. What, what's he doing? He's healing the sick. He's hanging out with sinners. He's casting out demons. He's forgiving people their sins. And then he gets crucified. And remember, John the Baptist calls him the Lamb of God. He was the blood sacrifice for all sin. Then rose again spend some time with his followers, then ascends into heaven. So Jesus, check this out, this is crazy. So in the old model, we have a temple, then you had to have a, a temple sacrifice. So Jesus comes, he becomes the temple and the temple 
sacrifice. So it kind of feels like when Jesus ascends into heaven, all of a sudden there's no more overlapping of heaven and earth because Jesus is now in heaven. As, as the great uh, theologian Lee Corso says, not so fast, my friend. You got to love Lee, don't you? So, so before Jesus ascends into heaven, he makes a promise to his disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He says this in John chapter 16, verse 7. Verily, true, truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is saying, I'm the temple. I can take heaven with me. I'm the presence of God. But it's actually better that I leave and I send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, that's the advocate, right? So, so then in 1 Corinthians 3.16, this is Paul uh, speaking, writing to the church of Corinth. He says this. Don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? So when Jesus is on earth serving as the temple of God, he was one person who could take heaven, take the presence of God everywhere he goes. Now, because all of us have access to the Holy Spirit, all of us as we follow Jesus have the spirit of God living inside of us, and we have now the same power that Jesus does. Okay, so Old Testament... There's a temple, have to have a sacrifice to get into the presence of God. Jesus comes, Jesus is the temple, Jesus is the sacrifice for all of our sins for all time, right? Now Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, now we are the temple, now we have the ability to take the presence of God everywhere we go. So everywhere we go as followers of Christ, we can have this overlap of heaven and earth, so how does, that, how does that really practically play out? How do we practically bring heaven to earth? Because somebody in this room would say, Man, I feel like I'm living in hell on earth, not heaven on earth. How do I practically live he heaven on earth? Number one, first, we've got to learn how to really walk with Jesus. Like we talk about being in the presence of God a, a lot, and I think in worship at times we say this, let's just enjoy the presence of God. And I, man, I, I love, I love being in worship. I, I love being able to just sit in a worship experience. I love Thrive, where you just sit here for an hour in the presence of God. But somehow we begin to compartmentalize our relationship with God, where we think the presence of God only happens in a place like this. Well, really, everywhere we go, if the Spirit of God is inside of us, we can carry the presence of God. Meaning you don't have to wait for God to do the miraculous to thrive. You can do it in your home, at your workplace. You can do it while you're driving because the presence of God dwells inside of us. Romans 8 9 says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. What does that mean? As long as you follow Jesus, the Spirit of God is with us. And let's be really, really, really clear. I can't bring heaven to earth. You can't bring heaven to earth. We can't bring the presence of God. But the Spirit of God that dwells in us can. So, so, so here's what we do. We have to stay in alignment with the Lord. We have to keep our, our, our hearts and our minds aligned with Jesus. That's why the Bible says the steps of a righteous man. It doesn't say steps of the heathen or steps of the lukewarm. It says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. It means as we journey with the Lord, righteous means do the right things in the eyes of God. As we're trying our best to do the right things in the eyes of the Lord, then he will order our steps. When I walk in the ways of God, full of the Spirit of God, then I can take the presence of God. Uh, today, today is Christy's birthday. Happy birthday. It's a birthday all day long. Uh, 
They're excited. You made it one more year, so it's good. Uh, Christy, well, uh, I love it because she's older than me, and every birthday that I have, it doesn't matter what it is, uh, I can I start to maybe think, oh, am I getting old? And then I realize, yeah, but I'm never going to be able to catch Christy. So I get excited about that. But anytime I make fun of her about that, my, my beautiful, kind daughter always just says, at least she has hair. So I'm like, oh. She'll always tell me, well, Dad, you look 10 years older than her, so I don't know why you're making fun of her. So... So Christy, is a, Chris, Christy, she's great at a lot of things. She has a lot of talents, obviously, incredible worship leader. She's an incredible wife, incredible, incredible mother. But she has a secret hidden talent that none of you in this room know. And it may be her, her greatest gift set. Her ability to find a pothole that you may not even know existed. It's uncanny. Like, it's, it's a gift, people. It doesn't matter. Like, everywhere we go, I mean, it is, like, it, 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 didn't, it didn't necessarily have to be on the road. She still, she still hits it. It's crazy. And every time you hit a pothole, it, it slightly takes you out of alignment. And then sometimes, sometimes she's so gifted, she can find four or five in a day. I mean, that's how good she is. And so, so it gets a little more out of alignment, a little more out of alignment, a little more out of uh, alignment. And so what do we do? Every three weeks, we take it to Hibden, and they put it back in. <laughs> nah, it's every, like, six months, whatever. It's more funny to say three weeks. More funny. And what do they do? They fix it. They just put it back in alignment, right? And then it drives straight again. As we begin to follow the Lord, and we're doing our best to live a righteous life, just do the right things in the eyes of, of the Lord. And there's potholes that seem to find us. Sinful potholes. Distractions. Maybe it's bitterness or unforgiveness. It's lust. It's It's greed. Pride, which potholes and potholes and potholes. You guys know if your car is out of alignment, if you take your hand off the wheel, it starts to gradually drift, and you, if you don't overcorrect it, it, it drifts far away than you ever intended it to go. And that happens as we begin to follow the Lord, and we hit a pothole after another pothole after another pothole, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves drift, drifting farther away from the Lord than we ever intended to go. And so you don't you don't actually have to go to Hibden; you just have to get along with God. Again, I'm not, somebody, somebody works at Firestone, they're going to be mad at me. <laughs> Just get alone with the Lord. Repent of your sin. Repent doesn't mean I'm going to keep looking for potholes, but God forgive me as I hit them. Repent means I'm going to keep going straight. I'm going to avoid the potholes. Repent means to turn from. So it's not I'm going to continue in, I'm turning from. And I'm going to do my best to keep doing the right things in the eyes of God. See, if we want to bring heaven to earth, we have to be in alignment with the heart and the mind of, of Christ. And then we have to learn how to become like Jesus. Like I said, salvation, the Holy Spirit is inside of us for sure. But to become like Jesus, we have to develop the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is the proof of the Spirit. No, 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 no one's saying, I, I, man, God has given me all the gifts of the Spirit, and you're mean to everybody. You gossip about everybody. I, I don't like that. That ain't biblical. We want to think that the gifts of the Spirit are the proof of the Spirit. 
We want to think if the experience is more charismatic, then that means that the presence of God is greater. But the reality is, the more that there is love, the presence of God is greater. The more that there is peace, the presence of God is greater. The more there is kindness, the presence of God is greater. The more that there is patience. We want to see the, the, the miracles of God, and I pray, and I want to see the miraculous of God. It will not start with the gifts of the Spirit. It will start with us cultivating the fruit of the Spirit. Lacking the fruit, it's not a, a God problem. Well, yeah, he just, didn't, he just didn't make me like that, you know? It's not a patient guy. It's just not how, you know, my Enneagram says this is not in me. <laughs> if you don't have any self-control, it's not how I was created. And that's, that's, it's, it's not a favor of God problem. It's not a gift problem. It's a, it's a, it's a cultivation problem. How does, that, how, does, how does that make us more like Jesus? Can you imagine? Jesus was, was fully God, but also he was fully flesh. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he had been beaten beyond recognition. He would have felt that exactly the way you and I would have. The cat of nine tails is just like shards of glass and, and rock. They're, they're, they're whipping him, just ripping his flesh from his body. Spear in the side, the nails in the hands and the feet. Like he felt that just like you and I would. And he hung on the cross, and what did he say? Father, forgive them. Oh. They don't even know what they're doing. Now, most of us, because he was also fully God, he could have taken himself off the cross. That's what I would have done. Let's be real. Not even like three seconds in. I would have never made it to the cross. They would have whipped me once, and I'd be like, no, no, no. Give me that whip. Watch this. I'm God. That's what I would have done. But I'm not, th thankfully, thankfully, I'm still cultivating. <laughs> I'm cultivating. He sat and he, and he loved. He loved as they were killing him. Think about the disciples. You imagine the disciples, my goodness. These are the men that took the gospel to the ends of the earth. I mean, Jesus commissioned them. He spent three years with them. He commissioned them. You guys take it out. You guys make it happen, right? But prior to that, they were knuckleheads, misfits. Like, they couldn't get it right. Imagine after three years of Jesus pouring himself into these men. They pretend like he doesn't even exist. They turn their back on him. They deny him. I mean, one time he tells one of his disciples, get behind me, Satan. He calls him Satan. Like, like these guys are cutting off people's ears. Like, they're, like they're, 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 they got issues. But if you notice in Scripture, he's just speaking life into him, right? Before he ascends into heaven, man, he's speaking life. Peter, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. How patient do you have to be for three years to watch people still turn their back on you, and yet you still give them chance after chance after chance after chance? Think about how Jesus touched lepers. I, I, I love this story. When Jesus heals lepers, I love it because not because he, there's a lot of incredible, crazy, cool healings all throughout Scripture. But I, I like that because lepers were the outcasts. They had to wear a bell around their neck and they have to scream unclean everywhere they went. And, and we know in Scripture Jesus healed people from a distance. In fact, we know Jesus even healed somebody when he wasn't even in the same town as them. So he could have looked across 
the street at the leper. He could have looked into the whole leper colony. He could have stretched his hand on. He said, he could have said, be healed. And they all would have been healed. But he also had an understanding that the love of God, that they hadn't had a human touch. So not only was he going to heal them, he was going to reach out and touch them. Incredible. Incredible who our God is. Imagine there's a storm, all the disciples are in this boat, and Jesus is at the bottom of the boat, and he's sleeping. The storm and the waves are crashing, and they think they're about to die, and they come get Jesus. He's like, oh, I just did some miracles, man. I got to preach in a, you know, a little bit. If y'all just leave me alone, I'm trying to take a nap here, right? But that's what he did. He went and he, he calmed the storm. How can he sleep in the middle of a storm? How can he have that kind of, of peace? See, when we begin to cultivate the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we become more like Jesus. Now, I've done a whole sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit before, so I'm not going to get deep into it at all. But really simply to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit is to, to prune, to weed, to water, to fertilize. In other words, cut out everything that doesn't help you be like Jesus and feed everything that does. So, so I mean, like, you're involved in too much stuff that you got, you, you need to uproot out of your life. You, so many need to cut some people out of your life. Not lost people, toxic Christians who are gossipy and mean and angry all the time. Yeah, those people. You mostly need more lost people and less toxic Christian people. And then what are the things that are helping you grow? What, who are the people that are helping you grow? Be around them more. Or some of you just need to call somebody to say, you just need to say, hey, every time I'm around you, I feel like I want to be more like Jesus. I want to hang out more. Can you come over for dinner? Like, just, just hang out. I'll, 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 I'll cook. Right? Every time you're in the presence of God, every time you're, every time you're in prayer, every time you're in God's word, you, you just know, man, I'm becoming more like Jesus. So just multiply the things that help you grow and get rid of the things that don't. It's really not that difficult. We, I say this all the time. We, we make following Jesus really difficult. It ain't that difficult. Starve the flesh. Feed the spirit. And it doesn't mean we're, we're, we're never going to have difficulties. And we're going to talk about that a little bit next week. What it means is that we have the ability to have a supernatural peace and joy and patience in the midst of our difficulties. It means that we have access to the things of heaven while we're still on this earth. When we walk like Jesus, we can become like Jesus. And then we'll begin to act like Jesus. Any, anybody ever, ever try to act like somebody else? Be honest. When I was little, my mom's here. As a family, we watched the A-Team. Y'all remember the A-Team when I was little? Come on, y'all, everybody said it with a smile on their face. That was so good. Great, great childhood memory. And I just love Mr. T. Now, I was like a six-year-old, 64-pound white kid. I didn't really think I could be like Mr. T. You know, I'm not going to have the muscles or the haircut or the gold chains. But I could talk like Mr. T, which was super cute, running around the house, call my brother a fool. But it's not quite as cute when you call your school teacher a fool or your babysitter a fool. It's not near as cute when your mom's spanking you for calling everybody fool. So I got grounded from... Like it was like an indefinite A-team suspension. It was like, that is cut out from your life. It wasn't helping me want Jesus. They uprooted it from my life. I just want to be like, I just want to, I just want to be like Mr. T. When I first started preaching, man, I, 
I was in youth ministry. I was 21 years old. I was trying to figure out who I am, you know. And so I love T.D. Jake, so I want to preach like T.D. Jake. So I'm preaching to teenagers. I'm like, get ready, get ready, get ready. Somebody shout, right? <laughs> There's seven of them. There's seven of them in the room, you know. They're like, yay. Right? It, wasn't, it didn't work. I went the other direction. I tried to be like Joel Osteen. I know tonight is Wednesday night, but every day is a Friday. And if you'll just believe it and you'll just see it, God's going to do it. He can do it for you. So dumb. That, didn't work for, that don't work for me either. I don't that works for me much far less than a whole TD. I promise you that. They're both great. I, I like them both. I don't know either one of them, but they both seem great. You know, the only thing that actually works is when I try to be like Jesus. And I'm going I'm to say this, like, I fall short way too much. But that's the goal. I just want to be more like Jesus. If we can, we can stop trying to act like somebody else and just dig into God's word and say, I just want to act like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. John 14, 12 says, Very, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. There's a lot of problems with this passage. It's seemingly, seemingly not true. We know what Jesus did. We know all the miracles, right? So we know, like, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and will do even greater things than these. I mean... I know some people that are close to the Lord. I just don't, I don't, I've never seen greater things than these. I've never seen, never seen people raise the dead. Never seen a lot of the things that Jesus saw. Why, why would, why would, why would we not experience what Jesus promises? Do I think the scripture is wrong? No, no, I think we're wrong. Because we are a culture that doesn't know how to walk with Jesus. We haven't truly become like Jesus, therefore we don't act like Jesus. So we won't see the greater things until we actually begin to align our hearts and our minds and we begin to become like him and act like him. See, Jesus is saying, the spirit of God inside of us is better than me standing right next to you. The more we walk with him, the more we're going to be like him. You know what that means? It means when, 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 when you encounter somebody and they say, I'm, I'm struggling. My marriage is falling apart. I'm going broke. I got diagnosed with. We don't just say, I'll be praying for you. Sometimes I, I think that is how all or a lot of Christians use the Lord's name in vain. I'll be praying for you with no intent to ever pray for him. It's just a Christian cool thing to say. I'll be praying for you, brother. What if instead we just said, let's pray right now. We're going to pray right now, and we're going to believe for heaven to come to earth right now because the presence of a holy and living God is inside me. And the Bible says two or three are gathered in your name. It shall be done. And right, I don't care if we're at work. I don't care if we're at the gas station. I don't care if we're at Target. I don't care. We're going to bring heaven to earth right now. 
We've compartmentalized Jesus in our relationship with him. We wonder why there's not miracles, because we, we leave him at home. Being like Jesus, acting like Jesus, means we yield our own needs to others' needs. I didn't say once. It means we learn how to sit with the broken. It means we learn how to love the unlovable. It means we learn how to be patient with everybody. It means there's so much less of us and us and so much more of him. It means forgiving those that have wronged you and loving those that are nothing like you. Can we experience heaven on earth? I think so. To be honest, I just wonder if we're not, not really that close yet. But I hope we can start that journey together. To really walk with the Lord and become like the Lord and cultivate the, the fruit. To begin to act like Jesus. What if we were actually a church? Like on that graph, we just brought pockets of heaven everywhere we go. We weren't so concerned about bringing heaven to Victory Family Church as we were bringing heaven to my workplace and my home and everywhere that I interact. He said, everywhere I go, I'm going to bring heaven with me because the presence of God is inside of me. Heavenly Father, let us do that. Father, let us bring the presence of God everywhere we go. Father, we're grateful for you. We're grateful for all that you are and all that you have, all that you've given us, all that you've blessed us with. God, we want, God, we want to see you move. We want heaven to come to earth. Because about eyes closed, maybe you're in this room and you don't have a relationship with the Lord. When I talk about acting like Jesus, there's nothing in you that acts like Jesus. There's nothing in you that's becoming like Jesus. And I don't mean that to be mean or, or, or critical because today you can make a decision. You can begin that journey of acting like Jesus, talking like Jesus, walking with Jesus. And maybe you've just been living life for you. Again, I'm not mad at you and God's not mad at you. He's actually excited that right now he can forgive you and give you a fresh start. So if you're here and you say, I, I just want to, like, I want to walk with the Lord. I want him to forgive me my sins because I, I believe he is exactly who he says he is. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he came, he died, he, he rose again. And I, I want to live, live for him. If that's you all across this room, so I want to be forgiven of my sins. I acknowledge Jesus is exactly who he says he is, and I want to follow him. If that's you, slip your hand up in the air real fast so I can pray for you all over the room. You slip your hand in here. Thank you. Thanks. Amen. A couple of you. Amen. Way up there. Thanks. I got you. Amen. Well, way in the balcony. Both sides. Awesome. Yeah, all, over, all over the room. Amen. But everybody pray this prayer together with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross and the resurrection. Forgive me my sins. I don't want to live for me anymore. I want to live for you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to worship you. I want to act like you. I want to walk with you every day of my life. Today I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at victoryfamily underscore. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.